Alright, good morning everybody. Welcome back to Driving Theology. This is Mike, and you're going to be riding with me, for better or for worse, the next few minutes. Get some air going in here. It is a uh, overcast June day. June what, you may ask? June 14th, day before my wife's birthday. Happy birthday, Tomoga, my love. Uh, so, yeah, I'm heading to work, and uh, I record this podcast uh, of uh, mild ramblings. And uh, once in a while, hopefully, an, an insightful thought, um, which may be few and far between, but... Anywho, that's what uh, you've uh, tuned into. So, trying to think about what to talk about today, a couple things came across my my desk, so to speak, my virtual desk, also known as Facebook this morning. Um, and, uh, yeah, just trying to figure out what I'd like to talk about. <clears throat> uh, one thing... Let me see if I can remember. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that, that I've read. Well, I kind of wanted to talk about The Little Mermaid. <laughs> and there, there's been some controversy with this new movie that's come out. And uh, I thought I'd maybe talk about it a little bit. So, I'm going to talk about The Little Mermaid in general. Uh, some themes about the story from what I remember of it. Uh, so let me see if I can summarize it. So there's a there's a mermaid whose whose father is, I believe, Poseidon, uh, and her name's Ariel, and she is a one of many sisters. But Ariel is obsessed with human stuff. She's obs- obsessed with the world uh, above, right? The the world that's not in the water, uh, the world of mankind. And so she collects things that she's found in the ocean, in this cave. And in this cave she has many, many treasures. Uh, And they are all um, artifacts, if you will, or or products or things made by humans that she has found in the sea from various uh, shipwrecks and things like this. And she is obsessed with becoming human. She just wants to be human. And part of it's because, you know, she's, she's like a teenager. She's feeling the, the normal teenage angst of uh, wanting to, you know, assert your own identity aside from your parents, wanting to get out from under uh, your parents' uh, strict umbrella uh, and, and get out on your own and, and make your own life and be your own person. And this is kind of a normal, very natural thing that happens. Uh, to humans as we uh, come out of adolescence, right? Uh, and so she's, she's kind of rebelling against her dad. Uh, her dad, who seems to be a single parent, we, I don't think we, there's any mention of a mother, uh, her dad seems to be quite uh, overwhelmed and, and you know, up in arms about what to do about this weird daughter, you know, this strange daughter. Well, eventually, 
Ariel finds a way to enter the world of man through, I believe, a promise she makes with the sea witch Ursula. Ursula is a huge kind of octopus creature who has magical powers, and, and Ursula gives her legs. Um, but in exchange for this, Ursula gets to keep Ariel's voice. So Ariel cannot sing, cannot talk, right? Um, once she's on land, uh, her voice has been... Or no, I think... Yeah, I think that's right from the beginning. She's not able to talk for whatever reason. So she, <clears throat> she got her legs... And now she's walking and looks just like a human being. And she's met the her the love of her life. I think his name's Eric. If I'm not mistaken. It's been a long time since I've seen this, but I did have three daughters, so you know, I've I've seen it <laughs> uh, various times, I'm sure. So Prince Eric, uh, who he himself has some, I think, problems with his own father. Probably I don't know, but anyway. They, they fall in love and basically all hell breaks loose in the end and but love love triumphs and, and you know there's a lot of other stuff that happens in the middle but it's a typical fairy tale right a typical fairy tale there's a, uh, a beautiful princess there's a prince and there's a witch and there's a king uh, very very typical stuff um, so Ariel's Ariel's whole thing is um, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, right? That over there is better. That life is better than my life, right? I would rather be a human than a mermaid. Human, human. The human world seems so appealing to her, and the mermaid, the mermaid world, is so mundane. And this is what we commonly refer to as, you know. The grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. It's a human, it's human nature to to envy what we don't have, to want what we don't have, uh, and to um, compare ourselves to someone else. And and we only see the the, the great parts of their life, right? We see we see only the good stuff. Uh, and because it's so different from our stuff, it's that that's kind of the a definition of exotic, right? It's 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 other. It's it's different. It's interesting. It's strange but intriguing, right? It's it's appealing. And so she has this grass is always greener disease, right? That her 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 own life sucks, and that another life in the world above would be better. Uh, <laughs> funny, funny that now that I'm thinking about this, it's, it's not really so much unlike, uh, certain eschatological, eschatological, um, positions, right? That this world is flawed, it's imperfect, it's, it's broken, uh, it's, it pales in comparison to heaven right what in the pearly gates and the the streets of gold and the singing angels and the uh you know the the never-ending feast and whatever whatever your your um images of heaven it's sort of like that right ariel 
Ariel is in the lower world and she wants to be in the upper world and she fails to see the beauty that's in her own world. She fails to see how wonderful her, her life is because she's always looking outward. Uh, and she, she looks, we always look in the distance with rose-colored glasses, right? We, we see other people's lives, other people's families, uh, someone else's job, and we always think, oh, that's so much better than what I have, right? What they have is so much better than what I have. And part of it's because we tend to hide the bad stuff in our family and at our job from, you know, from the world, right? We, we don't tend to announce all the imperfections to outside people, right? Inside, insiders know, uh, but outsiders don't. And that's just the, that's just the nature of it, right? You intimately know the good and the bad of what you are intimately involved with. And you have no intimate knowledge of that which you're not involved with. You have just a superficial knowledge. And this is the problem with the grass is always greener. But uh, back to the eschatology. Um, what we fail to what we fail to realize uh, is that there are other people outside of our world who look at our world the same way that we look at their world. Right? They think it must be so much better. Anything would be better than this. And a lot of that's a temporary temporary um, situation that we find ourselves in, right? Like things are bad right now, but, you know, part of that's maturity and part of that's just circumstance. Um, and then the other part is that we are blind to all the negative things that happened in other people's realms and worlds. Now, back to eschatology, though, I, I don't think that I don't think that um, we are necessarily blind to the heavenly realm. I think, I think that what we don't realize is that heaven is so much closer to earth than we realize. And I don't, what, I, what I mean is that they're kind of inseparable if you think about it. If you think about a, a, a God with integrity, right? And what I mean is a complete whole um, God who is integrally connected to himself and there are no parts of himself that are distant. I don't know if that makes any sense. But in that sense, you know, God, the creator God, created the universe. Uh, but God being omnipresent, of course, in some sense, the universe and God must be caught up in one another. They, they can't be all that separate. Now, of course, they're, I think they're separate in a sense, you know, just like uh, a, a baby is separate, separate from the mother once, uh, once they're born. You know, they are separate. But at the same time, there is not one without the other. And, you know... Um, They, yeah, it's not the same analogy. God is a little bit more uh, all-encompassing than, than we could ever be. But still, I, I think I think you kind of get what I'm saying. That 
that what we, I, I do think heaven must be a more perfect world in some sense than, than earth, whatever that means. Um, but the problem is, I don't think, uh, in, in what I've learned and studied and experienced, I don't get the idea that we're escaping from this world, but instead that the realities of heaven, the, 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 the principles that govern heaven, the power and the, and the, the power of love and transformation and everything that heaven is, perfection, will one day influence this world to the point that the borders are become non-existent. The borders are no longer uh, visible. That heaven and earth will be a new heaven earth, right? Um, but still, human nature, grass is always greener, has created this, this um, end times theology that we're going to escape this this wretched, rotten, broken, blue sphere and go to a different dimension, a different reality, an ethereal uh, heaven, if you will, and this world will be utterly destroyed and burned up in fire. Um, and that theology uh, is, I think, maybe this is the first time I've ever thought about it. Maybe just a, 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 a an extension of the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. Maybe that's where the theology comes from. Our human nature, our human nature, to uh, want something else, to not be content, to not be satisfied. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. All right. So back to the Little Mermaid. Um, She, of course, disappears from her ocean realm and is um, given legs and becomes part of the human realm. And all the while, a, a couple uh, of uh, sidekicks stays with her. Uh, one is Sebastian the Crab. I think he's a crab. I think that's right. And then I think Flounder, the fish. Uh, and I think there's even a seagull. <laughs> Wah, 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 wah. I can't remember what he's saying. Anyway, <laughs> something about a, a fork. What does he call a fork? This is a... I can't remember what he says. Anyway, it'll probably come to me. Uh, and they kind of watch after her and, you know... Um, so... Uh, now, back to the controversy of the current movie. The current movie, apparently, is played by an actress who has a darker shade of skin. And people have complained, you know, why, why have a quote-unquote black girl play Ariel? Ariel is supposed to be this, that, or the other. Well, when I look at Ariel, um, and I always thought this, I... I always noticed that she had kind of a olive shade of skin, first of all. She had kind of a darker complexion. It wasn't white, white that I remember. 
and her hair being the kind of a, a very deep auburn red, or maybe just red red, maybe just like auburn against her skin. I don't remember, I don't recall what her eye color was or anything like that. But basically what people are getting at is that, you know, Ariel should be white. People want Ariel to be white. She has red hair after all. White people have red hair. <sighs> I don't even know how to begin to address this. Um, there are racial undertones, bigotry. Um, yeah. Uh, there's a lot. And I will concede that if if there was a um, traditionally traditionally black character, let's say, because I'm in opera, let's say Porgy and Bess. Okay, so you have a let's say they make a musical Porgy and Bess uh, animated musical, and they decide to no actually it'd be a movie. It'd be a movie. They make a movie, but they make Bess white. They make Bess a white woman instead of a black woman. I could see where people would also be up in arms the other direction. Black people would be complaining, no, Bess should be played by a black actress. I get that, like Bess is a, <clears throat> comes from a, his, you know, she's a fictional character, but she comes from a historical place and, and kind of, you know, historical uh, time in American history. And, and you know, I, I, can, I can see where it would be more difficult to justify that. But <laughs> Ariel, <laughs> first of all, Ariel's a, a mermaid. And mermaids, as far as we know, don't exist. They don't really exist. They are completely made up. They were created in someone's um, imagination. Half, half human, half fish, right? Actually, the way their tails are, they have to be half um, dolphin of some kind. Dolphin or whale, their tails are flat instead of vertical. Anyway, anyway. Um, <laughs> she's fictional. And I don't think race matters at all in this case. Okay, so besides the fact that race race is a completely manufactured construct, race race isn't really a thing. There's the human race. Humans are a race. There's a race, I suppose, of chimpanzees and a race of gorillas and a race of orangutans and all kinds of other animals. Um, but this made-up you know, African race, Asian race, Caucasian race, the white race, the black race, the, the red race, the yellow race, whatever. All of this is just made up. It's not, it's not real. We all come from the same ancestors. We were all born from the same ancestors. And in fact, they're discovering that there are several species of humanoid in us 
right? That there are possibly uh, Neanderthals, people that are part Neanderthal, Neanderthal, Neanderthals, and and Homo sapien at some point did inter uh, in, 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 interbreed. Is that the right word? Breed. Uh, interbreed, I think. Um, but race by color is just something people made up. Just like borders are not real, right? Uh, the border between countries are not real, right? You can't see them from space. It's just, you know, something that we decided exists, but it's not natural. It's not. It's not anything. So the, to separate people by color is something that people started doing at some point, but it wasn't always the case, and we all come from the same ancestors. We are all descended from a set of ancestors who were, science tells us, by the way, in Africa. That Africa is the beginning of human civilization. Or at least uh, human origin. So, yeah, maybe maybe you because you're used to what you're used to. You would really love for Ariel to have a certain skin color, but but what about the rest of the things that's wrong with her? What about the size of her eyes? Animated eyes are so much bigger. What are you gonna do about that? gonna just try to find a actress with with bulging eyes right or the the nose is so tiny what do you do about that um, we really need to stop fixating on color and but the, you know the shades of humans are beautiful every shade is beautiful in its own way there are beautiful people of every shade and shape and color and size and but we have to stop using it to separate people right to you know of course if you're playing basketball I get it you want somebody perhaps tall and skilled not just skilled height matters in basketball um, but still a short person can try out and if they're good enough they make it Ariel's a singer, right? It's a singing part. And you need somebody who sings the part well. You need a great singer. And why not give it to whoever fits that? And then whoever is a good actress, right? A good singer, a good actress, and somebody who's pretty to look at. Why not just leave it there? Why, why even think that you should only consider people of a certain skin color for a certain part? Especially when it's a it's a fairy tale. It's fictitious. It's not real. Now I would argue every part should be like that. And a lot of a lot of uh, new musicals and movies and TV shows are taking that uh, idea that you know even if we remake movies we can we can use black people where they used to use white people. You know, like the the musical. Um, called Hamilton. Uh, Hamilton has a, a black, I believe, George Washington, which is meant to be provocative. It's, it's meant to provoke a certain 
um, reaction from people. It, it was probably done on purpose, but but somebody's got to break that ice. Somebody has got to uh, be brave enough to put it out there. Why not a black George Washington? What's wrong with that? Uh, and then you have gender bending. Now, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the... This is just my personal preference, and maybe it's because... Uh, I don't know. I'm just going to say it, but... There's a, a musical troupe here in Japan, very famous professional level, of all women who do musicals. And the, the women play the men's parts, the women play the women's parts, and everything in between. And there are no men involved. That I don't like. I don't like excluding, right? Just writing men out of parts. That seems to me unfortunate, but I get it. There have been all kinds of musical traditions from Catholic Church to Japanese kabuki that has excluded women uh, or no gaku maybe. women were not allowed to participate in theater uh, or in church music for a long time in fact a cappella the word a cappella originally doesn't mean no instruments it actually means no women <laughs> church for the chapel could not have women singers only men that's why you get lots of boy sopranos and that's why you had so many castrati uh, men who are or boys who are emasculated to preserve their high-pitched voices. So, <clears throat> what am I trying to say here? What am I trying to say? All kinds of great lessons we can get from almost every movie made, right? There are all kinds of things we can learn. Uh, we can learn what to emulate. We can learn what to avoid. We can learn more about our own human nature, and that's part of the case with uh, The Little Mermaid. Um, we can learn uh, all kinds of great stories through stories, right? Narrative, stories, plays, musicals, movies um, are a great, are a great um, vehicle for teaching and exposing and entertaining, yes, entertaining, uh, but also progressing. Uh, I think you could go back and make a, a history book all based on the way that art has progressed mankind, that art has moved us forward. Uh, because often artists are the ones who are challenging us to think differently. Right? I've talked about this before, but an artist's job is to be familiar enough with chaos that they can go into chaos for a time and make order of it and make something not only orderly but beautiful and bring it back out and, and show us something that we've never seen, heard, or tasted before. That's, that's what art is, right? They go into the unknown, they make order of what they find there, and bring it out for us to experience with our senses. Um, <clears throat> I, I should have said also our ears and our eyes, right? What we see here, taste, smell, touch, all the ways that art can, can affect us. And the written word is no different, right? Beautiful, beautiful writing, whether it's in narrative form or, or it's, uh, you know, poetry. Of course, poetry can also be narrative, um, Beowulf, for example. 
and lots of other stories. Uh, but that's what an artist does, and that's what, you know, whoever created this fairy tale, that's what they were doing. They were, they were writing a story um, that would be something we've never seen before or heard before. You know, that's what the, is it Alan Menken who wrote the music for this? I can't remember, but probably that's him. You know, he, he wrote music and, and arranged the words, and whoever did the words, I don't remember, but uh, in, in such a way that made them beautiful and artistic, and, you know, created songs we've never heard before. You know, part of, uh, part of that world, I think that's the name of the song, part of that world, uh, is a great song. It's a really good song. It's a beautiful melody. Uh, the words are interesting. The, the way it's written is, you know, really nice. I don't think it's anything groundbreaking, but still, somebody, you know, created something new and fresh for us to not only be entertained by, but for us to learn from and to experience and to progress and to grow. I think that's what stories do for us really well. Range just pouring on. I have to get my rain jacket out. Uh, so, yeah, and then the, you know the the racial controversy with it is just I don't know. We we have to get past that. You know we we really need to. Even if we think it, maybe we should think twice before we share it, um, because it's it's not a healthy way for us to look at each other to separate. Uh, ourselves by the color of our skin. Sorry, I'm just enjoying a little bit of latte on this rainy day. Mm. <clears throat> I'm going to have to get my jacket out. <clears throat> uh, yes. Um, but yeah, I, I think I may want to explore even further this uh, idea that Little Mermaid kind of is, is you know, extension of both uh, Christian eschatology um, and then human nature. You know, the grass is always greener. That's kind of an interesting thing I don't think I'd ever thought about before. Here. Uh, let's see. Sorry, I was trying to get my rain jacket at least partially open so I can rip it out quick when I need to fly into the building. So, let's see. Where are we? Where were we? Uh, Little Mermaid. Yeah. You know, the <clears throat> Poseidon, the father, is also... You know, of course, Poseidon was a Greek god. He was the god of the the uh, the ocean, the seas. Um, very powerful god in the Greek panoply of gods. Uh, you had Zeus, Poseidon, Apollo, um, Atlas. You know, these very strong, powerful gods. Uh, you also had Hades, who ruled the underworld. Anyway. Poseidon is also a view of God, right? When we when we talk about gods, um, we a lot of people have an image of God, like Ariel had of Poseidon, 
that, you know, he just wants to control me. He doesn't want me to have any fun. Uh, he just wants me to be the dutiful daughter. Uh, he's denying that I have a, uh, you know, that, that I have my own personality and my own desires and uh, creativity and things I want to experience. Um, a lot of people have this idea of God, like God is just a, just a egotistical tyrant. And that's how Poseidon does come across uh, in the movie. He comes across, at, well, I've seen the movie. I've only seen the original, um, the original animated movie. But he comes across as a tyrannical, angry, impatient, unfeeling, uh, stubborn father. And a lot of people think that of God. God's just someone who makes demands. Uh, and wants things to be a certain way uh, and who will punish you otherwise. He just wants to take away your fun. <laughs> and that's, that's poor theology, right? But a lot of, a lot of people have that theology. Uh, a lot of us maybe had even fathers like that. And therefore, maybe that's why we, we reject God because we assume that God is like our father uh, who was uh, maybe a horrible person, at least horrible to you. It's at least possible. Uh, ooh, it was heavy rain. This is not good. I do not want to have to get my guitar out in this water. I have to take it out and take it in in the case. Probably have to. figured out so yeah that that's another thing that I think you could explore with the Little Mermaid is um, whether or not this uh, Poseidon is a an image of God who yeah is unfeeling blah 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 quite possible Sorry about this noise, it's just, I'm in a torrential downpour. Probably the heaviest, heaviest rain we've ever had this year. It is horrible. Visibility's bad, there's water all over the road. Dum-dums are not turning on their lights. Why? Um, wow, that's loud. Yeah, this may have some noise canceling in it. I don't know how it works, but. So yeah, Little Mermaid, Poseidon. Poseidon is just a bit of a bit of a tyrant. Yeah. Um, I wonder what the water represents. And you know who is who are the other characters? Um, you know, in the end, Poseidon wasn't really wrong. That the the. The other world is is dangerous. It's it's uh, you know unpredictable. Um, that there's some bad people up there, right? He was protecting uh, Ariel from what he knew, um, being an underworlder, 
or a, a water whirler, whatever they call them. That's um, what fathers do, right? Try to protect their kids from uh, using their own experience to protect their kids from uh, danger, from getting into trouble, from being disappointed, or, or you know, having their heart broken. For example, parents try to do those things, uh, and I think God tries to do those things. Uh, I think God tries very hard to do those things. Oh, please, rain, slow down. This is nice. Much better. Hopefully it won't get too crazy as soon as I get there. Um, yeah, so I suppose Poseidon could be a an image of uh, some people's notion of who God is. Uh, I think I think where it would be wrong is that I think the actual God allows us to follow our dreams, uh, allows us to go down roads that he knows uh, we probably shouldn't. Uh, And then he's always there at the end to help us on the other side. And Poseidon was there at the end. You know, I believe Poseidon came and fought Ursula. Uh, He was uh, was there in the end for his daughter, no matter what she had done or where she had gone whether she had rebelled or not. And that's a good image of God. Um, I can appreciate that one for sure. Uh, but basically it's that Poseidon, he, he sees the, the error of his ways. He was wrong in the beginning and right in the end. Uh, and I think that is not a good representation of God. Think that would work. Although I think God allows us to have that feeling of Him, to accuse Him of such behavior, and He'll still love us through that, no matter what. But yeah, the Little Mermaid it was a it was a good. I know the kids loved it. It was never my favorite story. It was fine, you know. It was, I enjoyed it. Um, maybe I was too, I was too old by the time it came out. To really enjoy it much. Man, I wonder if we're going to hail or something. This sky is dark. It's going to be raining hard for some time. Heavy rain's back. Alright, well, I'm going to cut it off right there. And, uh, yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>